The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome again to uh, to today's show. Um, today, we're going to talk about how to succeed um, in the new game of business with uh, uh, with Roger Harrop. But before we do that, I'd like to say a big thank you to Nikki Owen, whose show I loved a few weeks ago on Charisma. Lots of great ideas on that. Also, a favorite show repeated last week with Jeff Ram on observational marketing. Um, I'd also like to say a really big well done to a recent guest, Debbie McAndrew, who since our show in September has gone on to win Best New Play in the UK National Theatre Awards. And I'm particularly delighted for her as she's my half-cousin. So well done, Debbie. Um, for information, uh, this show in a few weeks' time will also have a brand refresh um, around the new concept um, of business elevation and my new website, chriscooper.co.uk. So it's going to look a little bit different, but it's going to keep on getting even better. And um, we're going to have um, a fantastic and new and intelligent business elevation newsletter from um, later in the year. So if you're not signed up to the newsletter, please do. Now, today marks the first of two really important shows about succeeding in this rapidly changing world of business with two of my favorite past guests. Uh, Today, we have Roger Harrop on how to succeed in the new game of business. And um, Roger last joined me back in August 2012. And I strongly recommend checking that show out on profitable growth from the archive because it was a really good one. And also next week, we have Frank Furness on how to sell in business today. Now, according to Roger, in reference to this uh, fabulous new book, Win, How to Succeed in the New Game of Business, uh, these are really the most exciting times for business. Uh, Nothing is given anymore. Technology is moving at an incredible speed, and the winners are keeping it simple because it is. Business is simple. Somebody wants to buy, somebody has something to sell, and maybe somebody has to make something. That's all business is. It's simple. So I guess reading between the lines, Roger is saying we've got to get good at doing those simple things really, really well. Now, Roger Harrop has spent over 25 years leading international businesses, including a PLC, which puts him in a unique position to deal with, with present-day business challenges. He's based in Oxford in the UK, and he's an international business growth speaker who inspires and really, having seen him speak, entertains audiences with his acclaimed stay in the helicopter programs. Over 20,000 CEOs, business leaders, and others in 40 countries have achieved transformational change through his thought-provoking and entertaining um, uh, speeches with real-life stories and humor. He's also an author, a business advisor, a mentor, a consultant, an independent director, and he spent seven years as group chief executive, he has in the past, of a FTSE-quoted high-tech industrial group with 12 sites across four continents. 
Two business schools have also used it as a benchmark case study on culture change and business re-engineering. And he's tutored on a leading leadership and team building program for over 25 years. He's a keen windsurfer, a mountain biker, a classic car enthusiast. And he's one of only a very small handful of people worldwide to be awarded the CSP Global Speaker designation. So a big welcome back to Roger Harrop. It's nice to be here, Chris. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Really good to, to speak with you again, Roger. Yeah, you're somebody I've got lots of respect for, and uh, I can't wait for the next, uh, the next um, sort of 45, 50 minutes um, to chat through about your new book. You're um, very kind. But, but before we start, what, what, you know, tell us a little bit about your past and really what got you into this field in the first place and then attracted you to speaking all over the world. Well, I guess, um, as you said, I'd sort of run businesses all over the world. I'd had large ones and small ones, manufacturing ones, service ones, all kinds of businesses. Uh, and really, I gave all that up now, what, 10, coming up for 11 years ago. Um, and I just enjoy immensely just helping other people grow and develop their businesses. I seem to be lucky in the sense that I, I am able to make business simple, anybody's business really simple, and, and plot the way through to profitable growth. And uh, that's what I talk about, and that's what I enjoy doing, and I do it uh, um, just about everywhere I can. And I think that's, that is you know, very interesting about what you do do, because uh, I mean, getting get into technology and life can very get very complex. As can uh, you know, business when you've got less people doing doing more. But um, what you do seem to have is that ability, as you say, to to distill things back down into the really simple components. Um, was that uh, was that the way you used to lead before when you were leading these organisations? Well, I guess it was. I mean, this staying in the helicopter line that I use is something that I always used to use in business. You know, when I was uh, with my boards of directors and management teams, I'd sort of be saying to them, come on, let's get in the helicopter and really look at the big picture and, and look over the horizon. Because, you know, it is undoubtedly true in my view that if you can decide where you want to be, I mean, it's really obvious stuff in, let's say, three years time as a business and really nail that to something really simple. This is what we, how we want to look in three years time. Then from that, that moment on, uh, between now and then, you know, everything you do, you put across that filter, is it a step along the way? And life gets so much easier, to be honest. <laughs> so, so what was the inspiration then behind writing a, another book, um, <laughs> in the New Game of Business? Well, I, I, I can't say I really <laughs> like writing books, to be honest with you. I just love speaking, and that's what I want to do. Um, but I had a bit of a pincer movement. A very good friend of mine who you know, Phil Jessen, I'm sure, yeah. um, he, he kept saying to me, he said, look, Roger, th I, there were two new workshops. This is now a couple of years ago that I was, that I was running. Uh, and he said, look, these are so good. You really, really ought to turn them into a book. And then uh, Sue Richardson, who's my publisher, she said the same thing. So it was a bit of a pincer movement in the end where they said, look, you've just got to do it. And uh, so I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know about you, but I, I certainly found writing my book quite, quite challenging. And yeah. I, I wonder if it's kind of the nature of, you know, we're people who like to communicate and, and, and talk and as he's sitting down and having the discipline to really write uh, yeah. is... Uh, it's quite hard when you actually like to move around. <laughs> I, 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 I'm with you. Absolutely with you. You don't want to be set, stuck in one place. And you really want to be putting all the emotion into it and all the passion that you've got into it. 
Uh, and, you know, writing isn't fast enough to do that, I found. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in, you know, this, the world is moving very quickly. Um, you know, what is the real state of, of play today, do you think, from a, a business context? Well, as you sort of mentioned earlier, I truly believe that we are now in the most exciting times for business ever. Um, uh, because, to be blunt, what you did in the past, it's almost no longer relevant. It's all about the future, and it's all about, and maybe we'll talk about this some more later, that what I'm seeing out there is that the playing field is being leveled. The playing field is being leveled between small and big businesses. I am seeing some small companies now running rings around big corporations, but it's also being leveled internationally. Um, you know, I'm off to Pakistan uh, next week, and in Lahore is now becoming the center of app development. Um, I was in Ethiopia a couple of weeks ago. There's people there developing stuff, because if you've got access to broadband and the internet, you can be anywhere in the world now, and you stand the same chance of developing a world-class business as anybody else. And I just think that is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you, you know, obviously, you travel so much globally and uh, you know what what are you seeing in the different sort of you know the way that some you know marketplaces like you mentioned there Pakistan you mentioned Ethiopia um, I, I've certainly seen I remember going to Eastern Europe on a trip to Poland and being uh, astonished at how late people were having business meetings into the into the yeah. evening compared to you know where I come from and you you, you were based in the United Kingdom um, I mean do we have to uh, watch out and get a move on in these um i think you've got it exactly right i i think uh you know just quote an example to you what i what i'm seeing is that in uh, if i i can't think of a better term than developing countries i don't like it but i'll use that term in developing countries you know they're starting to jump generations of technology um a uh a, a tribesman in, up up in the fields above islamabad in pakistan can operate his bank account through mo through his mobile phone not smartphone mobile phone I was in, as I say, I've been in Ethiopia twice this year. The same applies there. You can operate your bank account using, using a mobile phone. We can't do that in the UK, and I don't think you can do that in the US. Uh, and I don't think we realize the extent to which we need to be getting our act together. Uh, and the other thing that goes with this, which again is another topic perhaps we'll talk about in a few minutes, is, is agility. You know, what businesses, the, the really winning businesses now, what I'm seeing is no matter where they're based, they are incredibly agile. And to be incredibly agile, it means you can't have a traditional organization structure with silos, for example, and you've got to bring in younger people. And those two topics in particular are big ones that, uh, that, that, that I'm sure we'll cover in a few moments. But, but that's what I'm seeing. And of course, uh, you know, back to what you were saying in terms of, uh, you know, just working late or whatever it might be. In no way do I want us to undermine, you know, what's what we've developed in the West in terms of Europe and the US and hours of working and work-life balance and all that. Absolutely not. Uh, but it is a business. It is about working smarter and it is about being flexible. Um, and I think increasingly that's what we need to be looking at. It's, it's, it's the bureaucracy and the rigidity that needs to go in companies, I think, um, uh, in, in order to really be up there uh, uh, with the winners. Mm. In terms of uh, being up there with the winners, I know you've got four pillars 
that you refer to in your mm. book. Do you want to just share sort of top line what they are? We can maybe yeah, yes, yeah, certainly. I, I mean, what I'm seeing is 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 very simple. That the businesses that are truly winning, and 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 you know, back to your question a few minutes ago, I'm seeing now a a dichotomy, if you like, if that's the right term. There are there are businesses that are winning, and there's the rest. That's sort of how it is now, no matter what size or industry you're talking about. And the ones that are winning are really focused on what I call just the basics of business. And those are, there's four of those that I have. The first one is it's not good enough being good at what you do. It's not good enough being outstanding at what you do. These days, it's ever so simple. You've got to be exceptional at what you do, and you've got to be exceptional at absolutely everything you do. Uh, and, and if you're not that, that's the given. If you're not that, you don't stand a chance. Um, it's everywhere you touch a customer. You know, I want to see credit controllers trained how to deal with customers, for example, not just salespeople. It's right across the board, van drivers, you know, no matter who it might be. Um, it's got to be 110% absolutely everywhere you touch your customer. But it's more than that. You need exceptional people. You've got to have a You've got to have 10 out of 10 people everywhere. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, you can't afford to have passengers any longer. You've got to have 10 out of 10 people, and you've got to have sparky people with fire in their belly and a sparkle in their eye right throughout the organization. Um, and as an organization, you've got to be giving them the things that they need. When you're interviewing uh, uh, talent these days, there is likely to interview you and put you through the mill as you are putting them through because if they don't share what you're about they simply won't work for you mm. Mm. so we'll so we'll come back to that in a bit more detail soon so there's 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 you know you've got to be exceptional in everything you do and and uh, you just i'm just kind of smiling to myself having just, <laughs> just, having just um tried to uh, confirm some flights with a well-known travel company and having finally yeah. got through to them on the ninth attempt <laughs> it's not good enough it's just not good enough is it end of story it's not and then getting put on hold for four minutes around the, yep. they found the right yep. thing, but didn't not even an answer machine can you believe it exactly um so, so anyway that's number one is being yeah. exceptional number two i've touched on which is it's got to be a great place to work yeah. uh, um that that's that's vital these days number three then uh, is probably the most obvious of all um which is you've got a prospect for business and and i say that and people nod their heads but you know the reality is that it's it's an area that we've got we have all of us no matter and and I'm not just talking commercial businesses it's not for profit organizations it's associations member associations no matter what you are you have got to be every minute of the day putting massive effort into keeping your pipeline of potential new clients or customers full you've just got to do it and it's even more important than ever before because Nothing's a given anymore. You know, there's not loyalty like maybe there once was. And I think that's healthy. But you just cannot assume orders are going to turn up. You have to assume that if you're going to be in control of your business, you have got to be proactive all the time out there looking for customers. And the last basic of business is you've got to focus on the bottom line. Um, and again, that might seem very obvious, but I just come over uh, across so many companies who really aren't doing that, recognizing they. And, and again, this is not for profit and member associations as well. The all of us, the way we grow our business is 
is by generating something called profit that we reinvest in part or in whole in the business to grow the business. That's the way it works. And it's just a fundamental of business. Excellent. We've got about sort of three minutes before we go into commercial break, but let's, let's, let's look at this area of being exceptional then. I mean, what, are, what examples and ideas do you have uh, for, uh, for leaders of organizations to make their businesses exceptional in, in everything they do? I, I think I, I quote an example in the book of Red Bull, uh, and I won't go into all that now, but, but you know, if Red Bull had actually gone and taken advice, uh, as we're all told to in business school, you know, they never would have cracked the USA market. They never would have been in 100 and whatever it is, 55 countries as they, as they are now, charging prices for their product, which is massively above any other carbonated drink. You know, exceptional companies set their own rules. They set the standards. They don't judge themselves based upon their competition. They understand their competition better than they know themselves. But, you know, every business I've been in at some point or other, my, uh, my CFO has come to me and said, look, Look, boss. You know, look at look at the margins we're making. They're one percent better than the, comp- the the average of the competition. They're two percent better than the market. And I always said, I'm just just not interested. I am not interested. We'll set our own standards. And if you look at someone like Red Bull, the margins they're making, as far as I can tell, are probably three, four, maybe even five times higher than their competitors. Set your own standards if you're exceptional. It makes makes an awful lot of sense, doesn't it? Because uh, you say so many people use the industry as the benchmark, but how are you gonna how are you gonna that just dumbs you down, doesn't it? If you think about it, it just dumbs you down because an average means some are above and some below, so we'll try and be in the sum above. Well, you know what? Life's too short for that. Set your own standards. And and never get into the mindset of thinking we can only ever be number two, because you know if you do that, you only ever will be number two. Yeah. Um, exceptional companies, and there's so many of them out there now, just decide they're going to do it and get on with it. I was looking at a, a, a kind of mission statement on the wall of a, of a client last year, and it was about being you know, the le- leading company in the marketplace. And I thought, you know, that's just not good. Even that's not good enough. Oh, it is. Because it just doesn't, doesn't explain what that means. As you say, that leading could be by 1%. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I, I, I have to say, I've got to the point now of being pretty anti-mission statements because I've, uh, the test is, I ask a chief executive, what's your mission statement? And if he or she can't tell me in 90 seconds, then it's a waste of time. And I'd, the same throughout the whole organization. If, if you can't say what the mission statement is, it shouldn't exist. And they're usually designed by committee and stuck up on the wall or put on the website and forgotten. What's much more important these days are what are the values of the business? Those values are things that you're going to get asked about by talented people, and they must trip straight off your tongue, straight off. Yeah, great. Well, we're, we're going to go to commercial break now. We shall be back again in uh, just a couple of minutes when we shall start to uh, look a little bit into things like technology and then get into some of the other key pillars of, uh, of how to win. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching 
facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to be more achieve more with host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to info at be more that's info at be now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper. Um, I'm with uh, Roger Harrop, and we're talking about um, how to succeed in the new game of business. And um, Roger, we were talking about being exceptional just before the break, and you know, I wonder what your view is on um, you know the adoption today of the you know the very latest technology. You know, is that a, a key aspect of being exceptional? Um, you've, you've got it. You've, you've nailed it absolutely, Chris. I think. Um, there is new technology now arriving at eye-watering speeds. Um, it's not like it used to be. You know, technology was stuff that cost a lot of money, and you you put it to a to particular silo in the organisation. It was IT, or it was the techies, or whatever. What what's now happening, and 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 this is a, this is where I alluded. I mentioned earlier about small businesses running rings around large. Small businesses get this quicker than a lot of big businesses, which is this technology may be stuff that is applicable in all kinds of areas of the business, and it needs to be looked at right at the very top of the organization, because what the business needs to do is to assimilate that new technology, adapt it, and adopt it incredibly quickly, because it's already out of date. And that's what smaller businesses, because they are fleeter of foot generally, are doing out there, and they're doing it incredibly well. And some larger ones are, to be fair. But basically, somehow, we've got to get rid of silos. That's the first thing we've got to do. And somehow, we've got to find a way to look at this technology, see where it might be applied, and get on with it. And that sort of all, you know, that doesn't tend to be the culture of a lot of big organizations. Mm. And, and I guess the, the challenge, too, is, is sometimes keeping up with that technology. I was just... Uh, I'm speaking on an online global summit in a few weeks' time, and uh-huh. and I just got an email just before I spoke to you, Roger, and it was referring to the the kind of system they're using for that online. It was something called Zoom. I'd never heard of it before, and they were saying it was fantastic. Um, and 
you know, it does take a bit of, is that technology moves quickly, it does take a bit of keeping on top of it, doesn't it? And, oh, no question. And, 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 you know, the people who, who are good at doing that are the millennials, the under 30 year olds, you know, mm-hmm. they do get it instantly. And, you know, there's a great report by PricewaterhouseCoopers done, I think it was last year, where they made this comment. They said, for the first time in history, we've got uh, new young people joining the organization who know more about something than more experienced people. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about is technology. Now, what that means for us running organizations, in my opinion, is we need to have those millennials inputting right at the top. Never again can we have the old way of, you know, you start at the bottom rung of the ladder and work your way up. That's not acceptable. We need them in right at the top. And just to quote an example, if I may, you know, just talking technology, I guess there's people out there saying, well, you know, what are you talking about? So so let's just take 3D printing as an example, if we may, Chris. Yes. Um, you know, it's generally being said out there now that 3D printing is going to have the same effect on the world as the Industrial Revolution. But you know what? It is not new technology. I'm an engineer by profession, and 3D printing actually came out something like 20 years ago. It was called rapid prototyping, and it was given to the techies. It was given to the engineers who said, yeah, that's pretty good. That means we can, we can make a prototype, you know, one-off pretty cheaply, and that's really useful. And they had it. And it's taken 20 years before people have now realized, you know what, 3D printing is something that might ch- that will change the world. And it's applicable in all kinds of places. You know, I was hearing the other day that uh, McDonald's are thinking about putting a 3D printer in every one of their restaurants. So the whole idea is that, you know, our kids, um, when they go in there, will have a happy doll. Whilst they're eating their hamburger, we'll have a happy doll made in the corner that's got their face on it. You know, what's that going to do for sales of McDonald's? That sales and marketing, it's nothing to do with the techies. And, and, and there's other examples. There's an insurance company in Belgium that has increased um, policyholders dramatically on the back of 3D printing. Nothing to do with the techies at all. So uh, we must never again allow ourselves to see to ha- for a technology, one of these new technologies, to disappear into one of these silos and just be used there. This, this technology needs looking at right at the top by the millennials, in my view. In fact, uh, you may recall having, having read this new book of mine, I rather mischievously, perhaps slightly tongue in cheek, I said, look, I think every corporation needs, to, needs a CTEO at the top of the organization, a chief technology exploitation officer. And the moment they re- meet the age of 30, they should be fired, you know. Um, and I'm more than half serious. That's what we all need out there. Mm. Yes, unless of course they got they got a thir- absolute thirst to keep themselves up to date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Um. <laughs> so, what about um, you know some tips on making your business a great place to to work and play? Yes, um, there was some research done. It was a Harvard Business Review uh, research that I've uh, I, I used and I've used in my book and I've looked into in more gre- more detail. And there's uh, this 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 research came up with eight things that talented employees or employees are looking for. The first thing to say is none of them are money. You know, okay, so certainly money is a given, but but it it's not all about money. It's stuff like, uh, well, let's just let's just go back to the millennials. One of one of these things is you've got to give people autonomy. You need to trust people. No matter how young they are, no matter how inexperienced they are, you need to trust them and give them some autonomy. No matter where they are in the organization, you've still got to keep all the 
checks and balances going. You don't abrogate your management responsibility. But people these days want autonomy. Um, they want praise. You know, it's a basic human need to be praised. We all need praise. You know, I was really lucky when I was a young guy starting out, young graduate starting out. My first boss was a most amazing guy, name of Arthur Shalito. Uh, and one of the things he did, did uh, was... If you'd been in a meeting with a third party, a customer or a supplier or an inspector or somebody, often, not every time, but often, on my desk would appear a handwritten note from Arthur and it would say, Roger, thank you so much for your contribution to the meeting. I really appreciated Arthur. You know, young guy, my chest would stick out, my shoulders would go back. There wasn't anything I wouldn't do for Arthur Shilito. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd just say to everyone, however much praise you've been giving, give three times as much. And it's not just to the people beneath you. It's your peer group. There's nothing wrong with saying to your peers, that was a great idea. But also upwards. You know, we all know the higher you get, the lonelier it gets. But we still have basic human needs. Nothing wrong with saying to your boss, boss, that was you ran that meeting really well. That was brilliant. Um, just a basic human need. Um, so it's, it's those sort of things that people are looking for. They want to know what their role is. I know this seems obvious, but what we're all like kids, really. We want to know the box we're working in. We want to know what success looks like. This is not a 43-page job spec from HR. This is my boss, the person I work for, telling me exactly what my role is and how I'm going to be judged. We all deserve to have that, but I find very few of us get that. Mm. I was I was talking yesterday with a yeah, a really fascinating CEO, a guy, a guy called David Long, who wrote uh, a book called Build to Lead. I put mm -hmm. it on my show in January, and uh, he was talking about this incredibly successful um, organization he's created in America. And uh, one of the things he's become famous for is his book clubs. And every every couple of weeks, he's got forty five um, members of staff, and he splits them in two. And every every alternate week. They each get a, the groups get a morning with him and they study books together. Yep. And he was saying, you know, it has, uh, it has um, saved marriages and relationships and, sure. uh, said, and it said it's generated millions of dollars for the company through ideas. Absolutely. And Absolutely. What a great that, idea. Isn't it brilliant? And talking of ideas, I've got to share another one with you. Because something else that's important, you know, is you spend more time awake at work than you do at home. So you need to be excited. You know, everyone deserves to get up in the morning and go, yeah, I'm going to work. And it needs to be fun. You know, not all the time. I'm not talking about cracking a joke, but jokes and all that. But uh, I was just talking to you before we came on air that uh, I'm really excited. I've just become chairman of a company called Cassato. Um, and their byline is baby, baby stuff with personality. So that it's baby push chairs and high chairs and all that. And, and the employee uh, relations they've got there are just amazing. But one of the things the chief exec did a year or two ago, they're on two floors and the bottom floors, they've, that floor, they've got like a meeting room, not a meeting room, a romper room, I suppose. But he installed a lift, uh, sorry, a slide, um, the sort of slide that you slide down, a children's slide. Um, and so the whole idea is if, if ever you're just feeling a bit stressed, you go down the slide and he says, he says that everyone, by the time they come off the slide, you know, they've got a smile and they're down there having a cup of coffee, having a talk to their mates. And it really works like a dream. And it's just a brilliant idea, you know. And um, I understand they had a, they had a, um, a vote when it was, uh, the, the, the slide was installed. Incidentally, insurers had a really hard time trying to deal with having a slide at work. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they had a vote and it was the, uh, it was the finance director who had to go down first because they decided he was the guy who needed it most, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's no reason why 
you know, it, it, it all needs to be turgid stuff and all needs to be deadly serious at work. It's all about keeping it simple and performing. And I think that's what all of us deserve to have when we're, uh, when we're working. Fantastic. We had a guest on the show um, uh, who was talking with me about creativity a little while back. And he's saying one of the companies that he works with, um, he, he uses something called superheroes and he, and he gets them to, people to imagine that they're a, a superhero. Right. And one of these companies have gone so far as to adopt it that they now, they're actually, for the board, they've all got super, different superhero outfits and they put them <laughs> on for these sessions. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. I love it. <laughs> so let, let's get on to, uh, you know, I think a, a really important uh, subject that. Um, I certainly, you certainly, you know, pricked my imagination in the past about this, and that was about you know, the, the the real importance of, of prospecting. Let's talk about prospecting for a bit. Okay, well, uh, let's start with one man bands uh, because that's the 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 easiest, I suppose. Uh, and the message I give, I mean, maybe it's fellow speakers that we're mentoring, you know, Chris, you and I, Chris, or whatever, is never ever ever fill your diary with work and you say that to people and they blink at you and they go what do you mean well you've got whoever's responsible for for for, for developing the business and that if it's a one-man band it's you should be spending at least 20 percent of their time prospecting that's a rule of thumb now 20 percent of your time is a day a week so a day a week you should not be filling your diary with bookings you should be prospecting. And if you want to grow your business, it's probably more than a day a week. That's what you need to be doing. Now, that's for a one-man business, but, you know, it applies right across the board. There's a little story, again, that I tell in my book. A, a very good friend of mine, he's a top civil engineer, expert on ports, and cutting a very, very long story short, he was, uh, he, 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 he was headhunted to go to Australia a couple of three years ago now um, because there were building lots of new ports, all to do with uh, Western Australia and minerals going to China. And uh, away he went. And I saw him uh, probably about a year later or maybe six months later, and he was shaking his head. And he said, I can't believe it. He said, because of the Chinese economy going off the boil, we're not building ports anymore. So we've seized up. And I said, what do you mean you've seized up? He said, well, I couldn't believe it. He said, there's no pipeline. Because they've been so busy for the last five years, this massive, and it really is a truly massive civil engineering consultancy, had stopped prospecting. Mm. And, you know, in that sort of world, you've got a lead time of, what, 12, 18 months before you get business? Horrendous stuff. I mean, you could literally go bust in that situation. Um, and, I, and I still come across it an awful lot. I mean, the, the so-called professions are the worst, accountants and lawyers and architects, where they just seem to still believe, a lot of them, that, w- that the world should be beating a path to their door. And, you know, I was just hearing the other day, here in the UK, it's been something like 150 or 200, le- 200 legal practices have been closed down by their regulator every month this year. And I bet you, I bet any money, the reason for that is that they haven't been prospecting, they haven't been filling their pipeline up with prospective new clients. I almost guarantee it, you know. And it's, it's, also, it's also that thing sometimes that people find the most challenging, isn't it? It's, it takes take, yeah. you know, a bit of extra energy to do it. Yes, it does. And we all need to be marketers. I mean, no matter what business it is, you've got to be marketing yourselves all the time. You've got to be selling all the time. And, 
you know, there's some, again, some basic rules, if you like. And, and one of the really simple ones is sell to people who've got money. You know, I, I come across so many salespeople, particularly through the recession, who are banging their heads on the doors of their traditional customers, knowing they haven't got any money to spend. Well, what's the point? Sell to people who've got money. Do your homework first. And these days, doing your homework first is pretty easy to do. Um, look at the markets that are growing, uh, whether they're in uh, home, at home or overseas. There are markets that are growing quite fast. There are markets that have been growing fast all the way through the recessions that we've had around the world. So go and sell to them. Just sort of basic common sense in a way. Or sometimes you, sometimes you find it's uh, in an industry that – a number of people who are struggling, but there's just one or two are probably those exceptional companies that you talk about who are growing. Yeah. Um, Just an example, if I may, Chris, I I met um, a little while back um, a guy who's a builder in Northampton here in the UK. Um, And uh, I got talking to him and he said, yeah, he said when the recession came, he said we virtually went bust. He said it was so close. He said my partner and I, what we actually did was we went away for a day and if you like got in my helicopter. And he said we spent a day looking at our business, looking at what we can do because we knew we were good at what we could do. And he said where we've ended up, we decide we had a look at who'd got money and we found that in London, uh, residences that were worth more than five million pounds we're putting extensions on all over the place and there was loads of money washing about. He said, that's now what we do. He said, all we do now is extensions. We put extensions for houses that are worth more than five million pounds. He said, there is, he said, I've had to, we've had to produce a glossy brochure and I have to wear a tie all the time. Hmm. He said, the margins I'm making now are double what I used to make and we are absolutely motoring. I equally have come across builder after builder after builder through the recession here in the UK who said, who shaking their head and said, well, that's it. You know, we can't do anything. You can always do something. You can always find, in my opinion, you can always find a market to go and sell what you do to if you're good at what you do. That's, uh, that's you know, really, really smart. Really smart, isn't it? And it I, is. And I, and I guess that, you know, it took, uh, probably took quite a bit of, uh, what's the word? You know, quite, quite, quite brave to go to move away into and to focus into an area. Maybe that. Was- I think that's a very good word you use there. It is brave, uh, and, and it's something else. It's easy for us to forget. You know, it's always been the case that businesses only move forward if you take risks. Yes, you take considers risks right, and, uh, and so on. But I think the risks that one has to take these days in business are maybe different risks. But that is the only way you you will move your business forward if you take risks, whether it's risks of going into a new market, as we were just talking about, whether it's the risks of, you know, take only going for talented people, whatever it might be. That's your job. If you are leading a business, that's what you're there for. And you must never forget it. You maybe think of, uh, of, of some of the uh, my mind suddenly went to, to people like Madonna. Who, who <laughs> that's a bit of a jump and it went there because what she what she did and uh, and a number of people have done it as well is she she stayed popular for about for many years yeah. by re-engineering herself absolutely she reinvented herself regularly yeah. Uh, yeah and that is a great example because it's no different to what we have to do absolutely it's sometimes kind of good at looking at examples that are completely out of the you know <laughs> yeah no you're absolutely right chris i love it i, I if i if i'd heard it earlier i could have put it in my book <laughs> with, with attribution to you of course uh, thank, thank you yeah <laughs> Brilliant. well i think we're um we're about ready for the next commercial break and after the break we're going to look at um at uh, you know a little bit more about uh, about sales but also get into the 
area of the bottom line, which is is also really important. So we shall be back with you again in uh, just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper um, of, uh, of uh, chriscooper.co.uk, and I'm with Roger Harrop, and we're talking about when, how to succeed in the new game of business. And uh, Roger, before the break, we were talking about prospecting, and I wonder if you've got any tips, you know, to, to really help discipline, um, the, particularly I'm thinking of kind of solo entrepreneurs who, you know, maybe are, are attracted to other things beyond prospecting, and it's not their natural <laughs> yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I, 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 what I would say is you've 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 got to do you've got to do the homework first. I think it's it's all about focus because if you are a one man band, you and and it is twenty percent of your time that you're going to spend. That's got to be spent very usefully. So you've really really got to hone down on who are my really tar- really best target clients customers. I always have a league division one, two, and three. The league division one people are people that you are very proactive with, and you have the attitude of mind. It's not if I'm going to get them as a client, it's when. 
and you do everything necessary. You treat it like a military operation. League Division 2, you're proactive with. League Division 3, maybe you're, a, you're less proactive. Maybe it's more reactive. Um, and then you've got to work out how you're going to do it. And, and I always, it's, it's all too th- easy to think of the end game being getting the order, you know, or getting the booking or whatever it might be. But I think it's a series of end games, and you should focus on one at a time, particularly if you're a one-man band. You know, the first end game is actually starting to generate leads. You know, that's what you need. Um, uh, So just start generating leads. Having got those leads, then you can start pre-qualifying them in some way. Then you can get your your bid in, your quotation, whatever it might be. Uh, And then at some point down the line, it is actually then that the end game is getting the the order. but it isn't all about getting the order right from the very beginning. And particularly when you feed that into social networking and all the rest these days, if you start asking for the order in so, uh, on Facebook or Twitter, no one will follow you. That isn't the way it works. So it's being disciplined about doing those things and, uh, and also being making sure that you are crystal clear about your offering. You know, the old elevator pitch thing is absolutely relevant. You know, if you are asked what you do, you have got to give it very quickly in terms of the benefits you give to your customers. I've got to hear that in in 30 seconds or you're dead. All that stuff is absolutely relevant. Mm. Uh, I I was interesting. Frank Finesse was, uh, I did a a Mm. recall for the interview that goes out next week, and he was saying that today, on average, people listen to you know a video for thirty six seconds. So you got thirty six yeah. seconds to get your message across, and I was fascinated. I'd just been talking with my um, my new kind of web designers, and they were looking at one of my pages, which was about me, and, th- and they said, you know, on average, people have looked at it for thirty six seconds. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, we really don't have a lot of time to get our message across today, do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. And I think the other thing that I want. I, the, the, I wanted to comment on was if you talk to non salespeople and ask them what are the two biggest things that you 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 need to be a salesperson you know they they'll always say you need sales sales skills and you need product knowledge you know and it's actually nonsense every time it's been surveyed every time it's been looked at the two biggest things you need to sell are armfuls of enthusiasm and massive product belief Anyone, any of us can do that. Absolutely any of us can do that. And absolutely any of us should do that. You know, I'm always staggered every time I go into an Apple store, as I did last week. It doesn't matter, matter whether you're, you're talking to a techie or, a, uh, or who you're talking to. They ooze Apple. And Apple's coming out of the pores of their skin in such a way that you are inclined to buy. It is as simple as that. And I think that's a lesson for all of us. Yeah, the Apple tribes people, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so let's move on to um, the bottom line then, because this is also really important. What are your 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 recommendations? On focus on it. <laughs> okay. Well, the first thing I would say is, you know, being a, a, a crusty old guy, I can remember something called productivity. I started out in manufacturing, and there was this formula for productivity. It was totally total garbage. It was totally spurious. And it's sort of a word that's fallen into disrepute and people sort of their eyes glaze over if you say productivity to them. But, you know, I've got a fundamental for, for, for productivity. Sales, revenues, whatever you want to call them, design, divided by the number of people in dollars, pounds, whatever your currency is. Just measure that and then you set yourself a target to improve that ratio by 10% every single year. 
If you can do that, you will never look back. It is actually as simple as that. It is the most important KPI that should appear on your monthly reporting pack, in my opinion, whether you're a small business or whether you're the biggest in the world. Uh, fundamentally, that productivity measure is very important. Now, some people say to me, oh, you know, it shouldn't be sales, it should be gross margin, or it should be profit, and it shouldn't be people, it should be per pound of payroll or whatever, or per dollar of payroll. I don't mind, so long as it's e easily understood, and you never change it, because running businesses is all about looking at trends, often much more than looking at finite numbers. If you can improve that ratio by 10%, you will never look back, and it will go straight on the bottom line. That is the way it works, you know. Excellent. Well, that one's going in my pack next week. <laughs> Great. Um, and the second thing I would say, just uh, and this perhaps is more for for for, for larger corporations, it's um, it's the efficient use of people, and it's something else that's fallen a bit into I don't know into disrepute. I don't know what it what it is, but fundamentally, I would argue that everyone in your company. Your job as a leader is to maximize the time they spend doing what only they can do. So, for example, if you've got a sales guy, we all know that there is a ratio. If you double the time the sales guy spends sitting in front of, metaphorically, properly pre-qualified leads, you will double the sales. That is the way it works. So, surely that's what – as leaders that's what we should be doing but it's no different with other people you know if you've got programmers you should be maximizing the time they spend programming because no one else can do it so you should take away from them all the other stuff all the clerical work whatever it might be and you can apply this across your entire organization and the results can be truly remarkable and and you know i can give examples where you know a client of mine we 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 grew profits by 800% just by doing this and nothing but this just getting people to focus or getting the leaders because it's the leader's fault it's not the people's fault getting the leaders to ensure that people are maximizing the time they spend doing what only they're allowed to do now some people say oh well that might involve like time and motion study and that's intrusive and you're not allowed to do it i'm sorry i don't buy that at the end of the day it is perfectly reasonable for us to know what the guys in our organization are doing how they're spending their time Without that, we cannot manage them. We cannot be leaders. Well, we might also be, you know, giving them too much bureaucracy and, and, and stopping them from doing that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, going back to salespeople, the number of salespeople I've come across where, I mean, even today, I went into a company the other day, and I didn't think this happened anymore, where Friday was admin day for the salespeople. They spent all day Friday filling in their expense account and doing all the forms the finance guy had given them to fill in. I mean, it's a load of nonsense. I'm sorry. We should be maximizing the time those salespeople spend out there, you know, trying to get orders. And we should. it's our job to get rid of all the bureaucracy or the vast majority of bureaucracy or make it easy for them. And, and it's so easy these days with, with, with technology to do that, or it should be. Mm. So you, you talk there, you're talking there about um, you know having these having these measures and also um, doubling the amount of time people spend in front of pre-qualified salespeople. Um, the other thing you know that sales and marketing can have an influence over that I think is important is price. Um, yep. and what, what's, I know you've got some real you know strong thoughts about uh, <laughs> about selling on price. Do you want to yeah. share that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll get me going now. But um, I mean, people often ask, you know, why, why is it that, that 
Apple Macs cost so much, and 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 the, I always tell people in my master classes the answer is simple because if you type in the word discount, they explode, and, and and that's basically how everyone's PC should be. You know, don't give discounts just for the sake of it. You know, if you lower your pr- price, which is what a discount is, what's the message you're sending out? The message you're sending out is that the value we are giving for our product or service is not as high as we thought it was. Is that really the message you want to give? Fundamentally, your prices are where they are or because of the value you give. That's how it should be, unless you're in a commodity business. And okay, that's something else. But most of us are selling perceived added value. And in my experience, most of us, no matter what our size, we undervalue ourselves. Uh, and the question I always ask, uh, you know, to, to to validate that is what would happen if you put up your prices one percent nine o'clock tomorrow morning? Would you lose any customers? And the reality is, I would say ninety nine, ninety eight out of 100 people I've asked all over the world in all kinds of industries, all kinds of sizes. The answer to that question is no, we wouldn't. So the next question is, well, why don't you do it? Because there's something about price that doesn't apply to anything else. It goes straight on the bottom line to reinvest in the growth of your business. That's the way it works now. As I said earlier, running businesses is about taking risks and the risks of putting up your prices, 1%, 2% are actually, I believe, very small and it is something you ought to be doing. Now, I am not saying never discount as part of a campaign. If there's a marketing campaign, if it's got a beginning and an end, yes, of course you might do that. What I am violently against is just giving discounts for the sake of it. You should always give a discount. If you're gonna, get, if you really have to give a discount, make sure you only give it in return for something that isn't just the order. It's something else. It might be a testimonial or a referral or whatever. But before you even think about giving a dis- discount, give stuff. If you've got to do something, give stuff. You know, give stuff that's a high, has a high perceived value to the client, but costs you very little or nothing. And we can pretty well all do that. I, I did a workshop the other day with a group of um, recruitment consultants. And I, I was sort of thinking, well, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought there's a lot of stuff that they could give. And we just just, just took 20 minutes out on the flip chart in the middle of the uh, workshop. And we ended up with three pages of stuff that things that would cost them almost nothing or nothing, but they could give to clients rather than give them a discount. Mm. And it's just an attitude of mind. I think giving a discount, lowering the price is just simply lazy. And by the way, never, ever give salespeople price discretion. They just give it away. Don't give it to them. You got me. You got me going off track a little bit again. <laughs> I, I think Halloween last year, my two children, we gave them, we gave them lots of cakes, and rather than them uh, going knocking on doors to get sweets, they gave out the cakes. And yep. what amazed them, they were stunned, was they got far more sweets back than their friends. <laughs> so it was, it was a beautiful lesson really there you go if you give you you often receive more yes you do yes you do and and uh, yeah it's it's again it's just basic it seems to me just basic common sense but somehow we don't we just we we just don't tend to think like that and you know if you just go through uh, particularly co- companies that have been there for a generation or two i'll always look at um I'll just go through a, a, a gross margin listing by customer and I'll say, you know, why are, their, why is their margin so low? Oh, well, they get a special discount. Why? Well, because they always had an acceptable answer. 
Mm. You know, why should they get a discount? And I can remember one client of mine, we then set a program again, League Division 1, 2, and 3. Uh, um, and the League Division 3 people, um, we said, okay, what we're going to do, they are not strategic to us in the future. We are going to put up our prices to them by 20% and take the consequences. Uh, League Division 2 was they were more strategic, so we're going to do it generally. League Division 1, we said, okay, you know, they're people they're bringing along. The League Division 3 people, um, it, something like 80% just went along with the 20% price increase and we moved on from there, you know. And I can remember even now the chief executive just just kicking himself saying, I could have done that years ago. Think of all that revenue I've lost because we were that soft. It's just crazy, you know. Roger, I'm going to just have to wind us up there because we're <laughs> to the end of the show. I'm just getting excited here. You are, yeah. <laughs> it's been absolutely brilliant. And I think if people take away, be exceptional, um, win by a great place to work and play, constantly prospect, focus on the bottom line and uh, including watching your prices. Lots of real gems in there, Roger. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed being on today. My pleasure. Thank you ever so much, Chris. You're very welcome. If you want to find out more about Roger Harrop, go to www.rogerharrop, that's H-A-R-R-O-P.com. And if you've got any questions or feedback, please send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. And next week, and we have another friend of the show, I've mentioned him, Frank Furness, on how to sell to business today. And uh, having pre-recorded that this week, it's uh, like the show today with Roger. I would strongly recommend bringing a pen and a pad with you because the content is, uh, is, is awesome. Roger Harrop, once again, thank you very much, and I wish you all a great week. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your week.